With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They dare to do. And the Lily Whites are going to score on you. They're no angels, but this season Harry and the boys are going for gold. From White Hart Lane to Wembley, Spurs will always be North London's finest. It's the Tottenham Hotspurs Fans Show on Love Sport with seven of the best for your chance to win a million pounds. Yes, Love Sport Radio. Good evening. It's three minutes past seven across the capital. Spurs are on their way to Wembley um, somewhat again for the foreseeable future kind of thing. Not really sure. You lot are becoming like sitting tenants, aren't you? Like squatters. Can't get rid of us. Can't <laughs> get rid of us. Good evening, Ricky. Good evening, Jay from Last Word on Spurs. This is, of course, the Last Word on Spurs podcast, of course, on Love Sport Radio every single Tuesday night. 7 until 9pm, your chance to talk all things Spurs with the gents. First and foremost, let's react to that news that we heard yesterday that Tottenham Hotspur won't be moving into their new ground. Somewhat of a surprise to some, somewhat not of a surprise to others. You know, you can see if you have somewhat of a trained eye, just a, just a marginally trained eye, that it is nowhere near ready yet. Um, although some of it looks absolutely wonderful. <laughs> you know, like I've seen some wonderful bits of tiling here and there, but... The rest of it isn't quite done. Um, gents, talk to us about 
you know when you obviously receive the news and and your perception perception excuse me of it for me personally i was disappointed but i wasn't surprised because we've seen in recent weeks despite we can see in parts the stadium does look pretty much done there's still obviously elements to it they're not too sure about and um, there's obviously been this issue where spurs will have to have a minimum of two games in order to have the safety certificate approved in order to move into that new stadium full-time playing Premier League games there, Champions League games there. So it is bitterly frustrating and I think the most frustrating thing about Spurs fans is whilst we can accept and come to terms with the news that, okay, it's going to take a little bit longer, it's the way the club have reacted in terms of they seem to have been backed into a corner and then reacted to it. We sort of had reports yesterday come out that Spurs have made this payment to the FA to have Wembley for a bit longer. And all you would ask is from the club just to have a little bit more clarity and to be informed of the situation just a bit sooner than having to wait until the Mirror and the Sun report it and then we get the club announcement to say the stadium's going to be delayed even further. That's the most frustrating part for me, personally. Jace? Yeah, certainly disappointing and, and you have to say it was a little bit embarrassing the, the news when it came out. Uh, I think some of us weren't weren't necessarily surprised. The only thing I would say is when when people are looking at pictures of the stadium today and saying, "Oh, you can see that it's not ready," don't forget that first game was still two months away. So you know, I don't know too many building projects where where it's all been dusted down and everything sanded down and everything is ready to go two months in advance of it. So of course it was going to look unfinished in certain areas, but obviously you know to to have those test events was just just impossible to do. And um, there's got to be a a real concern they, they they've moved the two games they haven't given new dates for for going in and, and we'll have to see but my fear is it will be towards the end of the year yeah no i think it will be towards that part maybe christmas a nice little christmas opening you never know obviously that what we do know is that the the first two scheduled games at the new ground are cancelled that's and right yeah. from our calculations it'll be spurs against manchester city well, that's what they that is again, it's being rumoured, but how can you even sit here and even try and predict what that first game is going to be? Bearing in mind the stadium has now twice been arranged to be set for games and it just hasn't happened. So I wouldn't want to sit here and put my neck out to say it's definitely going to be ready for that game. How good would it be if it was for the Chelsea game 24th of November? No. No? Don't want them there. We had them at first up at Wembley, didn't we, last year? Or was it second up at Wembley? First up at Wembley, first up Wembley yeah. yeah. First, first game at Wembley. Wembley last yep. year, no. And and you you kind of think from a, for the safety certificate, I'm, I'm sure the police would prefer not to have the brand new stadium with 60,000 in it for Chelsea first up. But I, I think Tottenham will want to be in it, obviously, for... I don't think they'll cherry-pick mm. a particular game and say, oh, we'd love to have it for Chelsea or Man United or whatever it is. I think they just want to be in it as quickly as possible. Yeah, certainly. I think they uh, I think they do indeed. We're going to be speaking to Kate from the Spurs Supporters Trust. She'll be joining us around half past seven, fingers crossed, this evening on Love Sport Radio. Um... We're going to look over the stadium a bit further in detail then as well. But Japs, talk to me about the game that we, we, we watched on Saturday. Spurs uh, away at Newcastle, 2-1 win. A professional performance is what I labelled it. Something where Pochettino set out the objectives and, and the players just got them done without any real fuss. Spot on. Yeah, I mean, you look at teams, and I don't want to start sounding like a hypocrite here because, believe me, I was one that did want Spurs to strengthen during the summer. Anyone would know that. But teams of the likes of Everton, Arsenal... You know, these teams, they are trying to embed so many players in West Ham. Tottenham have already got the squad there that know each other so well. And it was a typical Maurizio Pochettino 
gritty performance, grinded out the result at a really, really tough venue because Newcastle did not make things easy whatsoever. It was a really, really tough game. And I've got to be honest, I was absolutely delighted to come away from, with all three points and Vertonghen carrying on as he left off last season. And Deli Alley, I mean, as we've said so many times on our podcast, mm. and I just can't speak high enough for this guy. The amount of late post runs he makes to find the space in the box to score, I mean, I absolutely adore Deli Alley. And it's, it was absolutely vital to get off to a winning start in the Premier League. But when you look at the teams around us that are also winning. With that ground, though, 52,000 Geordies right up for it, first day of the season. But at the end of it, they, they just sort of like capitulated into their own little political storm that they've created up there against Mike Ashley. Um, I think it was a, a good performance by Spurs. I think they got the job done. Um, you know, and, and considering, obviously, the big story last week was that there were no new faces. He managed them very, very well, the players. I think it w- he would have liked to... to brought Harry Kane off at some point and, and brought Urente on and as I mentioned Urente was ready to come on but there was somewhat of an injury or just a bit of a Eric knock Dyer, in the midfield Eric Dyer with a bit of a knock in the midfield so he brought on uh, young Amos and, and, and that was his third and final sub but I was really pleased watching Spurs I thought they were very very good just got the job done yeah, I thought uh, it was a strange game. I thought going forward we played quite well, probably for an away side, scored twice, had three or four other really good chances, kept getting into good situations. So I thought going forward we looked good. But, I mean, in fairness, you know, Newcastle probably had, what, they had hit the woodwork twice and Hugo with two or three good saves, scored as well. So I think it's a game that, that both sides going forward would be pleased with. But defensively, there's probably a, a few concerns on, on both sides as well. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, what do you make of uh, of, of the likes of Rondon and Diame? Obviously, Diame rattling the post, what, a couple yeah. of minutes after the restart. I think everyone was a bit, oh. And Newcastle, they, they tried to push. They really, really did. Were you slightly concerned going in towards the end, the, the latter stages of the game? Yeah, it was, a, it was a game where, rather than being end-to-end, it kind of went in spells, wasn't it? I thought Newcastle came out that second half early on, and then... Then Tottenham seemed to get through that, and then there was a 10-15 minute spell where I thought Tottenham are definitely going to go on and get the the third goal and kill the game off. We couldn't get it, and then those last 20 minutes it was was a little bit backs to the wall, and uh, you know the the Rondon it was Rondon that hit the crossbar, wasn't it? I think was it Rondon with a yeah, Rondon deflected yeah, it up. That's right. There was the save that Hugo made right down at the post, which which was almost past him. So, yep, I think when you when you see it like that and you're away from home, you've only got that goal. You you are glad to to hear that final whistle. Yeah, you certainly are. We don't. Well, our final whistle won't blow until about nine o'clock tonight. So we're talking all things Spurs for another uh, hour and fifty minutes. Do join us this evening. Oh two oh eight seventy twenty five five eight. Paddy's taking the calls this evening. He'll be happy to speak to you as we would. If you want to talk stadium, you're more than welcome to come and talk about that. If you want to talk about the game, come on and discuss that. We're previewing the Fulham fixture a little bit later on. All this to come next on Love Sport. Love Sport. Yeah, it's Love Sport. Ready? Twelve minutes past seven across the capital. We'll be keeping you across the uh, the scores in the Carabao Cup first round this evening. Plenty of London clubs uh, in action tonight. We'll be keeping you across those scores. Do stick around for them, chaps. Let's um, look at some of the individual performances on Saturday. Um, first and foremost, I earmark the goal, the equaliser. Hosalu, someone who hasn't scored a thing in seven months. Yep, that sounds about right with Tottenham. Yep, Managing to grab a goal up against uh, Davinson Sanchez, who, who just lost him, simply. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair to Sanchez, 
in the game itself, I think in that first half, he only misplaced one pass out mm. of 49, something ridiculous. So, yeah, it was a mistake by Davinson. But again, I think like Jay said on our pod that we did on the Sunday, that with a lot of these players, because they're coming back, it's the first game of the season, maybe there's a lack of sharpness there and maybe awareness even, to be honest with you. I mean, it wasn't great defending at all in the build-up to that goal. Ben Davis, I think, wasn't great in the build-up to that goal and we gave it away even further up the pitch with Delhi. So, yeah, I mean, it was a moment of switching off by Spurs but I think the most frustrating thing was it was just the manner of how he switched off you know a couple of minutes after going ahead you know this is where what worries me about Spurs at the moment is we seem to be so vulnerable Jace and I want to get your thoughts as well that when we go ahead we always look so you know susceptible to conceding yeah it's a, it's a strange thing because they they always say, doesn't it? It's the most dangerous time is is when you've just scored, but uh, and you need to be properly switched on. But it was a was a disappointment to concede such a, a soft goal. But I mean, in many ways, it was almost a carbon copy of Delielli's goal. Yeah. Uh, a bloke with a free cross that isn't closed down. Somebody runs around the back, centre half loses him. The fullback doesn't cover the run, and it was it was it was pretty much a similar type of goal. So. Um, but we've, we've got to defend much better than that. And like I say, I thought over the 90 minutes, we've got to defend much better. But maybe that's a little bit of Eric Dyer not being quite up to speed in midfield. Moussa Sissoko not covering as well in midfield. You know, the whole combination of a of a team ethic rather than, than, than being down to specific individuals. That was tough, though. It was a tough old place to play you know the crowd are on your back it's a it's a big old pitch and and i think a lot of the spurs players they just absolutely zapped at the end of it mm. absolutely knackered I've, I've never seen them they were, they were like the walking dead literally and and you have pochettino on the sidelines always him and his assistant going up looking for who can i bring off who can i change where can i make changes you know as opposed to rafa benitez who i think had a full-on cohort to deal with he had everyone there um so you've got to give uh credit to suppose you want to talk about serge aurier yes serge bless him i mean he absolutely divides opinion and the most hilarious thing is we've only been back for one game and he's already as i said in the podcast causing absolute mayhem um even in the build-up to the first goal i mean I think he made a couple of really, really clumsy challenges that you just think, Serge, you just don't need to do them. And then, all right, absolutely stunning cross for the goal. Don't get me wrong, he's crossing. I tell you what, if his defending was as good as his crossing, we'd have a player there. But unfortunately, there is a lot of work for Pochettino to do. I got absolutely hammered on social media by saying I still think there's a possibility that Poch can revive this guy. It is a second season. You look at the way he always improves his fullback. You know, you go down the list of who he's improved, the likes of the Kleins, the Shaws, the Davis, the Rose, the Trippiers, the Walkers even. There is a lot of work for him to be done, but I still hold some kind of flame, Jace. He can make this work. Am I delusional, do you think? <laughs> well, I'm smiling because I've always said it, haven't I? I can't. I'd, I'd, I'd almost shrug my shoulders and think this is this is not solvable. This one, um, the player <clears throat> seems to have uh, I don't know if it's confidence, arrogance, something like that about him. Where he just, I think he just has so much belief in his own ability, and it's misguided belief in it sometimes because delusions of grandeur. Yeah, a little bit of that, and maybe he got a bit carried away by being a, a Paris fullback or something like that. But um, I think every game you go into, there's. There's, I mean, I said on our pod, I haven't seen him have one good 90-minute 
performance in every single game there's been even that one at Palace where he made that fantastic tackle last year that was the the day of what was it the three foul throws and that just kind of is is Serge Ory you can't get 90 minutes solid and you definitely can't get a run of three or four games solid I've just had Paddy the producer in there going thank God United didn't sign him (laughs) another one another dud we have Um, you didn't get Martial you didn't pick up anyone we obviously haven't met since that transfer deadline and we all expected it to blow thanks, last, last, Aaron. <laughs> thanks uh, yeah but, but I mean do you kind of trust the process are you, are you are you in that camp is it a case of trust in the process you've got no real option now well but, yeah that's the thing know, yeah are you are you gonna be one of the ones who, who are revolting against Levy no, or listen at the end of the day and Jace knows me well enough to know that for me that windows closed now what's the point in throwing your toys out the pram I think this is where now the players need you most, the manager needs you most, you get on with it now, the window's closed, forget about all that, get behind these group of lads, the most important thing now is to focus every game, trying to get three points, it's not doing any good is it, what's the point of protesting now, we have got the three points to start the season off well, and let's be honest about it, you know, Man City went and improved their squad, so what's it going to help Spurs having a revolt about it, ain't going to help the supporters, ain't going to help anything, so the most important thing now we all need to do is stick together, believe in this squad, and Eric Dyer made a great quote during the week I thought, where he said, yeah, other teams are bought, but it doesn't necessarily mean the players they've bought are better than what we've already got, Chase. Well, haven't I been saying that all window? Did, you I mean, do, yeah. I kept saying that yeah. every single time when everyone told me that everyone else was strengthening. You saw uh, you saw our Woolwich had strengthened at the weekend and you thought, <laughs> wow, that's that's not much strengthening going on. And look at West Ham's and things Everton. like that. But it's still early days, in fairness, to, to those sides. But it, it's never bothered me what, what other clubs spend. But um, I think there is, a, there is definitely a... A, a discord between the, the the sets of supporters. It hasn't been helped by the the stadium news, and I think it will be quite a, a difficult season. But we've just got to hope that that any anger between supporters at the board doesn't filter through to the pitch. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm in this camp. You know, I think. I agree with you. You know, in the sense of you talking about Arsenal, West Ham. Look at the way they've strengthened. I mean. You know, Arsenal was somewhat baffling. I don't think City got out of sort of first or second gear. It was City in fairness to them. Yeah, I know, but they didn't even get out of first or second gear. With West Ham, they might as well just sat on the bus (laughs) and and, and cracked on. You know, so I can see where Poch, Levy, they're going. Poch didn't seem... He he wasn't chucking a tantrum in the press conference on Saturday. He wasn't in Mourinho. Yeah, that's the difference. He seemed very chilled, very respectful, knows what he's doing. Relaxed. But that's Pochettino, isn't it, Aaron? I mean, let's be honest, I know you're a Man United fan and you know Mourinho very, yeah. very well. Pochettino is not the kind of manager to do that. You know, you would argue, as we said, I think, on our show also, that Pochettino is now in his strongest position. He's just signed a five-year deal. So if he was ever at a point where he wanted to feel that he could, you know, maybe ever criticise the ball in a certain way, certain style, he could have done it there. But he chose not to. He remained dignified as the man he is and I think again he just needs to make the message and what he did after the game I thought was also interesting he said to the players that you know allegedly want away and could still leave the club with the foreign window still open until the end of August he said I told them yesterday as in the day on this of the Saturday that for me it's like we start from zero all players who want to stay at Tottenham they need to show their commitment if they choose to stay at Tottenham the rules are so clear and that's very interesting you've got the likes of Alderweireld Rose, Dembele, and can I just sound Dembele, Jason? I know we watched the game together. The minute Dembele come on, how much more control did we have in that game? 
Well, didn't wasn't his nickname at Fulham the Doctor because every time you give him the ball, it gets better or something. And yeah, you felt a lot more secure once once Musa Dembele came on, and it it was perhaps a little bit interesting that. I mean, it was, what, 86 minute was when Dyer went off. Yeah. You kind of thought, and you're coming under that type of attack, maybe this is the time we'll see if there is much faith in Toby. Mm. And it was was a surprise to see I come on at that stage. In fr- I know you'd have changed the shape slightly with Toby on, but uh, I think the most managers in that scenario would have picked the experienced player. If you were 2-0 up, you might have brought Amos on, but at 2-1, with, with points on on the table there to to lose, it was a surprise to see Amos. I'm surprised he... he, he I'm, I completely agree with you. I'm surprised he didn't go for Toby. Just a bit of an experience. He had someone who's just going to keep things calm, uh, keep it going, and just, just, just keep it simple, really. But maybe it was a message to Toby. What's you know, yeah. we've got other people around here, mm. and, and effectively, look, you're, you're not indispensable. You know, you are a dispensable player within this this unit but we still want you around but it's it's maybe it was a message who knows Tottenham is becoming a very very cryptic club to, to <laughs> analyse isn't that's it that's one way of putting it Aaron yeah I mean even with Danny who knows what's happening with Danny Rose now with the window joined to close the foreign overseas window because you know this guy you could probably argue Jason I stick my neck out and say now I think Pochettino's already made his mind up on this guy that he's never going to get him back to the player he was in that 15-16 season and therefore with that being the case Spurs are the ones looking to try and move him on rather than the player really being that desperate to want to leave that's how I personally see it are you surprised they didn't manage to offload him before or do you reckon he'll end up something like a Besiktas or something like that you know just somewhere abroad I think the the problem with trying to offload him properly is the clubs that he would want to join weren't interested in him. And I can't see Danny Rose begging to get out of Tottenham to go and join Huddersfield sort of or wages someone are like that. Is he on? I, well, I think he's rumoured to be on the, the 65. So, I mean, it's it's not a, a big Premier League because don't forget we had the year ago pay me what I'm worth and things like that. So, I think it was probably more the case of the clubs that he'd have been interested to go and join just didn't, didn't show up for him. But I just wonder if, if part of it is... I mean, I've, I've said a lot about Danny Rose for a long time, but there's that, that little human element where he, he's mentioned a few times that he enjoyed his, his weeks away at St George's Park to get away from Tottenham. Maybe he just needs to leave Tottenham for, for one or two other reasons, more than just physical fitness. Yeah, no, maybe uh, you are right. Of course, the European transfer deadline runs until the 31st of this month. So, will we see Danny Rose leave Tottenham? I'll tell you what, drop us a tweet. Let us know what you reckon on the Rose front. At Love Sport Radio on Twitter. There, at Last Word on Spurs. 7.24 is Love Sport. This is Love Sport. Love Sport. With 7OTV.com. Predict 7 to net a million. Yeah, Love Sport Radio, good evening. We're talking all things Spurs until 9 o'clock this uh, evening. Uh, Jason Graves has tweeted this in, saying, I'm expecting a negative backlash tonight, but I'm not having it. Careful what you wish for, slash short memories. It wasn't so long ago. It was Europa League, AVB, and Carlos kick about. Yes, there is loads we can moan about, but support your club through thick and thin. Today is to do. Great tweet, Jace. Absolutely, and um, I think that's that's what I said. We, whatever the the emotions that people are going through because of transfer windows, stadiums, and things like that, it is important to back that side. And I just, you know, particularly with Fulham coming up, back to Wembley, 
rather than than going there thinking, oh, this is just one-off journey now. We know we're going back there a few times, and my fear is Fulham score first in that game, that 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 atmosphere could get really uh, poisonous, and and we certainly don't want to see the things that happened at at West Ham or Arsenal or or places like that last year. So definitely you've you've got to stay behind that team, that's for sure. I don't see how we've got to this point, though. I just don't understand it, because obviously all we've ever heard about is Spurs building for a new future, building for a future, building for a future. And it's like, okay, cool, we're building for a future, but, you know, like, not everyone is on board with this. You just sense that some of the fans will be happy to stick at the old White Hart Lane, (coughs) crack on, and hope for the best. Well, I think you you get that, that, I mean, Ricky and I are certainly, we're on board with the the current thing with that, without a doubt. But I I do understand that, and we'll talk about Pochettino in, in weeks to come or whatever, the whole project and where we are with it. But I suppose there is the frustration in some after third, second, third, that we're not seeing... We're not seeing that bit of silverware that 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 kind of justifies all that we've gone through, and I think there there's a frustration. Maybe it's an age thing where 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 the old the old codgers like me have, yeah, have been there for donkey's years and seen Tottenham in awful state, and maybe the younger generation. It's like right, we keep hearing how great this side is, so it's time to win. So I can see it from from both sides. That's for sure. Social media, I think, plays a huge part, Aaron. And again, I don't mean that to be... I mean, I'm, what am I, 28 now? I have to remember myself now. 28 years old. I still consider myself a young supporter. And I still, you know, looking at it now, Spurs need this stadium to go to the next level, whether you like it or not, to want to attract the players that Spurs want to attract. Again, it's not being disrespectful to other clubs. You're not going to attract players, I don't think, in a 36,000-seat stadium anymore. I think it's about, you know, going big, you know, proving that you are one of the big clubs. And if you're going to finish second, third, want to push on for the league, to be honest with you, to hit those gate revenues that clubs need to have now to go and pay the big wages, to go and pay the big players, you have to go into a big stadium. And listen, don't get me wrong, I adored White Hart Lane. Absolutely loved it. There was nothing like being right on top of the players. And please, God, we're going to have that at this new stadium. But that mustn't get in the way that for Spurs to progress we have to must 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 move into that new stadium so do you understand where where people are coming from totally when they say you know we haven't bought anyone yep we've got a 60,000 capacity stadium now obviously there's going to be some money left over from Wembley last year because tickets let's be very extortionate over there really really expensive tickets uh, funny enough I just looked at the cheapest one for, for, the, for Saturday as an adult it's £40 going up to something like 80 or, or 90 pounds you know and that, that that's a lot of money you know for the for the regular going football fan with a, a young adult going at something like 33 pounds 75 pence i don't know where they're going to get that out of their student loans ema is only 30 pounds i think <laughs> you know if you go to school every day you get your ema paid in every month that's only 30 pounds you, you can't even afford to go to a spurs game but I think fans are going to sit and go, well, where's the money from last season? Yes, it's going to take a year or so for the for the budgets for the new White Hart Lane to kick in with all the revenue that they're going to gain and, and garner from that. But can you understand where they're coming from, where people are coming from? 100%, because only a couple of weeks ago, me and Jason were sitting here at this very table, and I was saying to Jason, we've got to have two players to, ins- you know, to improve the squad. I've been clear on that all summer, Jason, haven't I? I don't think I could be any more clearer that I've been frustrated, that I've been annoyed by it the lack of Spurs' activity, but at the end of the day, once the window closes, what's the point in moaning? Where is it going to get us anywhere? We've won on the opening day of the season, we've got the three points, surely now that should be a platform to build. We've still got a great squad. Can it be better? Of course it can be better. Can it be worse? God, of course it could be worse, but at the end of the day, the window is now shut. You have to get behind, as I said, these group of players, this manager. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. 
with the stadium delay. It's not. <laughs> well, I think that the, the discord comes from where where some supporters, and it's not a fifty-fifty split at the moment for sure, but where where people like myself have said, look, calm yourselves down. We're, we're building for that future and get into that stadium, and things will change. I can understand that that some supporters have heard that message for two, three seasons, have now reached that stage and said, right, well, you told us it would change, and now we are. We're, we're in theory, moving into that stadium. We had 60,000 regularly at Wembley last year, not 36,000. And so, surely now is the time to, to kick on, and we, we just haven't done it. So, they kind of feel like they've been lied to by the club and, and being fobbed off by happy clappers. Unless Levy's on site himself every day, you know, <laughs> brick hodding, tile hodding, doing a bit of tiling himself, bit of, you know, laying carpets. Well, maybe laying. that's why it's getting later and later because he can't do it. That would explain also the lack of activity. Maybe that's what he's been doing. Uh, you know, I, I just don't really, um, really, really get what what his what, he's kind of disappeared hasn't he in the sense of he's in the background in fact i actually spoke to a pal of mine he hasn't been buried in one of those holes in his <laughs> cement <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. i just spoke to a pal of mine he's he he works at the club in sales and he put up a very very tactical instagram and snapchat page uh you know post today which was basically just a blank screen and i messaged him and he obviously refused to comment refused to come on and add any comment because it would be, you know, bad for him to do that against his employer. If you like, he's a Spurs fan. He's just got his, himself a club suit, as our Hugo Boss club suit. So he doesn't want to be giving that back anytime soon. But I think it's just like caused so much turmoil. Even like the sales guys are just sitting there going, "Well, where are we going to sell our cheese? What, what's going to happen? With, what's going to happen <laughs> with the cheese? Yeah." That's the question. Might go off Bigger by the time we It's got to go back to Lidl's. They've, they've bought three more fridges <laughs> to, to, to install. Exactly, exactly. 7.33. It'll be cold enough <laughs> when they open the ground. Anyway, <laughs> stick it outside. 7.33. It is Love Sport Radio. Love Sport Radio, 7.35 across the capital. This is the Spurs Fan Show with last word on Spurs. Uh, Ricky, I'll let you introduce uh, our, our new guests. Yeah, well, we're delighted to have Kat and Martin here from the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. These guys are the ones braving it today in terms of all the interviews, all the media responding to probably some very frustrated Spurs fans. So I think it's only right a handover to these guys that can tell us what's going on. <laughs> Hi Ricky, thanks very much guys for having us on. Uh, yeah, all I can say is that I'm massively regretting giving up smoking two <laughs> weeks ago because today has been a stressful one. Uh, but yes, obviously there's been an awful lot of media. We've been trying to run our own social media accounts and answer as many fans as we possibly can. Um, last night when the news broke was another relentless few hours, uh, which is perfectly understandable. You know, fans obviously expect communication, they expect early notice. They 
they expect to know what's going on for seats in the stadium that you know they paid a lot of money for i don't think anybody was massively surprised at the news i think there was a lot of disappointment and quite a lot of frustration very ambitious build program but you know our job is trying to try and get the best deal for fans moving forward what would you say cat the split is at the moment in terms of the supporters that are understandable the decision and against what would you say at the moment it's really difficult to say because we have got so many fans and we've got 42,000 season ticket holders alone Mm. I haven't spoken to all of those just probably 41 and a half thousand today Um, (laughs) I'd say most Spurs fans tend to be quite pragmatic quite measured in their reaction to anything like this and I think there is a genuine understanding that it is a hugely complex build and the fact that they've ended up overrunning is not that surprising but I think there is definite frustration that this wasn't communicated earlier and when it was communicated wasn't communicated in the best possible way i was just going to say that you use the word communication a lot in in you know your opening few lines but is that the one thing that frustrates Spurs fans the most that you know senior figures at the club have not come out and and spoken to supporters obviously you know you don't expect Mauricio pochettino to go oh well they're just sticking in the uh, the toilets in level four at the moment you know but is that the job of someone like Daniel Levy or people on the board supposed to come out and go, well, this is a situation where we're X, Y, Z on, on, on you know, track to get things done? I think the only person who, who I've really been following so far is Chris Cowlin and his videos. Um, yeah, Chris has been excellent. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and for someone outside of the club to have to do something like that because the club don't do it, you're just wondering, right, okay, do you really have the supporters' interests at heart? In issue, you know, is, is that the most important thing, or is it a case of selling packages? I, I, th- I, think, I think communication is really key. I think people like to, to get um, clear information. They like to get information early on. It's not always possible to do that, but I think if you look at what the situation was like at the end of that, that fantastic last season we had at White Hart Lane, there's a real sense of togetherness at the club, a feeling that the, you know, there's always going to be tensions between the different sections of the club, but the feeling that the board and the team and the fans were all pretty much in the same place. Uh, and that's, that's really been squandered um, over the last year and I think some of it is the is the quality of communication I think the sometimes there's perceived to be a little bit of a lack of empathy from the club board about the position of fans and a lack of understanding I think there was some comment last night about the amount of emphasis that was given to apologising to the NFL but not quite as much to the fans and I think they put that right with, with their statement this morning um, uh, I think the other thing that you have to factor in and people might say well you would say that wouldn't you is that you know the club took the decision to charge some of the high prices in world football uh, when they put the tickets for this new stadium on sale and if you're going to ask people to pay those prices and you're going to sell them the facilities that they've sold him uh, in that new stadium then people are going to say okay my expectations are a lot higher they're going to give people a lot less room to manoeuvre uh, that's a decision that the club have taken and uh, so they need to take that on board do, do they need to come out and, and own it a little bit more and communicate properly I, I think that's pretty much an overwhelming feeling we've had with fans even the fans that are saying look you know we might expect a bit of a delay on the project or whatever and what's the fuss about i think people just like to be treated honestly with a little bit of respect you don't know i agree um what's the build the stadium build micro site 
Because I have to admit, I've not been all over it. Have any of you guys had a look on there? Because I don't know what level of communication they've been putting out in terms of built stages. And there's a forum called Skyscraper City, isn't there? Mm. Where there's an awful lot of construction experts and, you know, geeks, let's be polite. Uh, he he, <laughs> he spent a lot of time talking about the build. As, as, as someone yeah. with a construction... I, I'm yeah. someone with a construction background, you know, uh-huh. I'm a surveyor by trade. Okay. I stick to Chris's videos. <laughs> Perfect, then. I'll stick to that. I, Sounds th- good. No so it looks all but ready, but... It basically, <laughs> no, no, but it actually... Do you know what? He, he's covered it very, very well. My question to you is, as, you know, members of the Supporters Trust and as, as fans, do you feel that Levy and Spurs have taken on... a bitten off too much? Uh, have, have, have taken on too much in such a small time and promised to, to so much? You know, I mean, I was, I was just talking to Brian Moore before. He lives down the road from, from Wimbledon Greyhounds. AFC Wimbledon building a new stadium yes, at the moment. Yes, yeah. It's taken him three, four months to demolish the old Greyhound rack. Three or four months. Mm-hmm. It took them on two, three nights to demolish White Hart Lane or however long it was. Mm-hmm. It was gone mm-hmm. so, so quickly. I think we need to remember that the planning has been years in the, in the making for this new stadium. It's not like we woke up, just thought we'll build one, put in a planning app, got it and went on. It's been going on for over a decade, I think. So there's been an awful lot of planning gone into that. I think I don't have an issue with Enoch and Levy and the board wanting to build that stadium as quickly as possible. When it became apparent we'd need to leave Tottenham, I want to get back to Tottenham as quickly as possible. I don't want to be dilly-dallying around at Wembley for two seasons three seasons let's take all the time in the world i mean wembley took seven years to build for just comparison there so i think it's great that they were ambitious and they thought they could do this in a tight turnaround but it really is a tight turnaround and it would have been quite some feat to have completed it i don't think we can criticize them for there being a snag now with fire safety that's like huge you can't get a safety license you can't put your fans at risk so you know something has happened as men that is delayed but they've given it a damn good shot and if they can get as in there for October, November, I think that's not bad. I agree. The only thing is, I think the most frustrating thing, Kat, is we saw it with supporters yesterday, is that it just appears that because the newspapers picked it up first, that there was this potential delay. We saw the Mirror, the Sun reporting it, and obviously everyone's saying, don't worry, it's the Sun, it's the Mirror, it's, it's not going to be the case. And it's almost like the club felt they were backed into a corner and then responded. And it's again back to what Martin says about, you know, having that trust that relationship with your supporters to be able to communicate it early enough to them to not have to read it in the newspapers first. Yeah, I mean, we were on a call with the club today and they are adamant and they're sticking to their guns on this that the issue with the fire critical safety monarchy uh, only came to light, as a technical term, only came to light in the last 48 hours. They're absolutely adamant that that wasn't known beforehand. Now, the problem that I think we've got here is that there's been a slow erosion of trust between the fans and the club over subsequent months, which started started probably you know last season at Wembley a little bit but certainly when the pricing came out for the new stadium and I think there's only so much leeway you've got with the fans and when that trust is eroded as much as it is now they're not going to believe anything that you say that's an issue I think and uh, I think there is a bit of an issue there that, that often you know we saw this a little bit during the transfer window as well that the club has said something and people have thought okay fine you know, or they've had a reaction to that and then we found out maybe a few weeks or a few months later that well that wasn't quite what we said or that wasn't quite what was meant or actually it could be read a different way and again it's just back to people you know feeling that they want they want to get some straight information sometimes uh, you know we the club will be the first people to say we can't always be as upfront with you uh, as maybe you'd like because there are commercial sensibilities and all the rest of it we all know that that can be used 
to hide a few things, but we also know that that's a reality as well. But I think, you know, it's what happens over a period of time. And I think if people keep seeing that, well, you know, is this statement all that, that, that it seems to be? You know, did I really need to find out, um, you know, from, from the national paper? Should my club have told me first? And I think any organisation would say the same as, as you've all observed around this table. You know, you need to now get in front of this, guys. You need to stop other people setting your agenda uh, and get hold of the story. Horrible marketing term, but it's about owning your own narrative. Absolutely right. Yeah. I, I was going to say, the only thing, in fairness to them, with a, with a newspaper breaking it, if, if they only found out 48 hours ago and, and the story broke, what, 24 hours ago, the newspapers don't have any follow-up to the story, so they can just break it and, and leave it there. Whereas, whereas if Tottenham had just said yesterday morning, we're not moving into that stadium for the Liverpool game and left it, you would have had exactly the same type of outrage that the supporters... Because they've then got to say, right, this is what's going to happen with tickets. This is how we're dealing with the season ticket holders. This is how we're dealing with this. This is how we're dealing with that. There's a lot more that they've got to clarify to make that statement Spot than just on. a newspaper has. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Tottenham's plan was to release this today. So to inform everybody at the same time as informing them of the refund mechanisms and everything else, all the practicalities and the logistics. And they were bounced, in a way, into doing it early because it had broken all over the press and certainly we were in touch with the board going what is going on you need to talk so not ideal let's go for a quick break quarter to wait it's last spot we're here uh with cat martin from the the spurs supporters trust ricky and jc it's last word on spurs you have a couple of questions 0208 70 20 558 love sport 558 am love sport with 7OTB.com. Play your way to £1 million. 12 minutes to eight across the capital. This is Love Sport. Good evening. We're here talking all things Spurs until nine tonight. Ricky's here, Jason's here. We've got Martin and Kat from the Spurs Supporters Trust as well. Um, I want to ask you a question. How much of a marketing faux pas is it? I saw a poster yesterday uh, which talked about Tottenham's new stadium. I think you may have uploaded it, Jason. Crafty. Yes. Crafty. No, it was it was, well, it was on the tubes. It was quite a widely circulated, wasn't it? That, the, you know, the only place in, in London to see Champions League football is the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, just, which it turns out to be Wembley. boo-boo from the marketing department, isn't it? I'm kind of looking a little bit embarrassed here, because I'm a marketeer by trade, <laughs> and it's probably something that I would have done. <laughs> Good idea. But no, yeah, great idea at the time, but yeah, a little bit egg on face. But I'm sure the club will be very thankful uh, for that being uploaded yesterday. Thanks so much. <laughs> yes. What's the trust is take on the things now, Cap? Where are the trust at with supporters at the stadiums ready? And they'll get a safety certificate when they get a safety certificate. So the timetable now is obviously important, but there's absolutely nothing that we can do to influence that. So as a supporters trust, our main focus has to be getting the fairest deal for fans, which in fairness is always our focus. We work tirelessly for the fans' interests. So for us, it was ensuring that reasonable compensation was given and that all those kind of practical and financial stuff was done in the, you know, to best practice as, as best as possible. So that's what we've been focusing on today. I'm, I'm kind of pleased that the, the club, with the announcement, haven't actually set a new date. They haven't then said, right, we will be now in there for Manchester yeah. City. They are just giving themselves a little bit of breathing space to say, right, let's sort these issues out and let's kind of learn from the mistakes of setting that livable date. Mm. Let's make sure we're, we're 100% ready before we commit to a date. So I'll give them a little bit of credit for that as well. Yeah, I know. I think that's fair enough, although we did stress on our conference call with them today that they do need to make early and clear communication around that City game 
game because what we can't have is a repeat of what happened for Liverpool, which is so many of our overseas fans booked flights and booked ferries and booked trains to come in, especially for that game because it was at that stadium. Great to see the team. Great to see the team at Wembley, but it was because it was at that stadium and we don't want a repeat of that. So they need to agree what they're doing about City as early as possible and communicate that as clearly as possible. In your opinion, when do you think it will happen? When do you think the city game or the announcement? The, well, no. When do you think they'll move in? Or when they'll move in? Oh God! I mean, how long's a piece of string? I mean, you would really hope that it wouldn't push beyond October, wouldn't you? But we don't know at this stage. It depends what they need to do to to sort out the the safety issue. We've got two games, haven't we? You have to play in there or some kind of. They obviously they were originally going to do an academy fixture. They're going to do a friendly. Whatever happens, regardless, if it's during the season, we still have to play at least two games there before the season, well, before the stadium, sorry, is granted a full safety yeah, certificate. You, you've got to have a couple of test events <coughs> which yep. pass certain um, markers in order to, to get the safety certificate, so they've, they've got to do that. But, it, I mean, we, you know, we hope it's not going to be too much longer for obvious reasons, but also the club have got a real problem. If it goes on to maybe 25% of the games, 50% of the games are played away from this, you know, stadium with the great facilities that everybody's paid all the money for, then that, there's, there's more of an issue than just straight compensation that as well people say I've, I've been sold a product and you're not delivering that as well and again that that's understandable you know the club could say well we know no one could have predicted this but you have to understand where the if you want to call them that you have to understand where the customers are coming from on that front but i think what everybody wants we, we want to get on with getting back to our home that's what we really want gosh it's been a turbulent few weeks i suppose isn't it it's just it just doesn't look like it's gonna go away anytime soon how do you feel obviously you know we, we haven't actually talk football really since you, <laughs> and, and the main thing is that you're football fans but what, what, what are your thoughts after the transfer window and and the lack of signings the lack the lack of ins i think we, we put out a statement last week saying that we wanted and we, we always do this that we wanted the board to explain what hadn't happened in the transfer window that I, I think that as a fan base spurs fans remember a few years ago we splashed a lot of cash didn't we after the gareth bale sale so i think that we probably recognize maybe more than other sets of fans that splashing the cash is not necessarily the way to guarantee success you know we've got a really good team we've got one of the best coaches in europe so from a football point of view things are looking very good we've got one of the best first 11s that you can put out on the pitch i think the issue is uh, squad depth uh, you know some of the players who have done a really good job for us are maybe kind of getting a little bit older are they going to be able to put in a full shift over the whole season as well so I think people were looking for a bit of strategic strengthening maybe in the transfer window as well and maybe we couldn't get those players but I actually don't think it's been that that turbulent in terms of football and you know you, you're right sometimes we, we, we tend to forget that we go there to watch the people kick the ball about on a bit of grass don't we as well but you know on, on the pitch playing wise at the moment things are looking good and you know what we've got is always a challenge of staying up there and holding on to our players but we've held on to our star players this summer we've got so a fantastic far. so far yeah we've got a, there's three weeks to go three weeks to go um, yeah, yeah uh, we've, we've got a fantastic coach and we've been playing some of the most entertaining football in the Premier League over the past three years so uh, things are looking quite good on that front but we know that we you know you can't stand still can you, you you've got to keep really pushing on what do you make mind of the statement today from the club about the supporters of tickets for the Liverpool game are going to be refunded 119th of the price 
that there's a few details yeah. <laughs> that we're still discussing with the club, and obviously that's that's one of the issues that you know. Well, because what they do is that for people that don't know, uh, Premier League clubs categorise most Premier League clubs. I think it's all Premier League clubs, isn't it? Well, Liverpool they, don't anymore, yeah, but yeah. yeah, they categorise games. So you've got A, B, and C category games, which is based on the the, the relative uh, draw of the opposition and the attractiveness of the match, and those are priced uh, at a different level. Now, it may well be that they decide that a category A ticket to see Liverpool at Wembley is is more than one nineteenth of the season ticket price that people have paid for, and I think it would be unwise to decide on that because then that kind of erodes some of the goodwill they started getting back by um, by giving people a straight refund rather than the credit. I mean, this must be some logistical nightmare trying to shift everyone's season tickets, organising that, organising credits, and it, it is. Is he the systems. ticket master? He seemed <laughs> completely incapable of organising anything. They couldn't organise a drink up in a bath. It, <laughs> it is. It is. But I, and, and we're sympathetic. But but equally, people say, well, you know what? You're a business, and a really important part of your business is to sell people tickets in an efficient manner. So we want you to get on with doing that. I, 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 rem- I remember the, the days summer. when season tickets had tear-off slips. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that's what it's all about. Co- coupon F as you queued up yeah, with a yeah. turnstile. That's all right. And, and the, the, first thing you, again, the first thing you did every season when you got your book was go to the very back page because it said <laughs> FA Cup Final and it was <laughs> so right. exciting. You just waited to <laughs> use well, it and I never have. had that. Never have. <laughs> but uh, and the, look, the, the refund mechanism should be fairly straightforward. You know, these are professional ticketing outlet, uh, you know, outlets. It's not just like you and me with an Excel sheet. It, it, sh- it should be, a- they should be able to deliver this. The issue that we've got at the moment is the club have said that it, they will do backed runs every month. So the money will sit in your e-ticketing account. You'll draw that down if you want it in cash rather than using it towards your season ticket next year and they will then put that into your bank account on a backs run once a month but that's not great no really because the liverpool game is less than a month away which was 15th so more or less a month away so i don't i want our fans to be in a situation where you've got to buy a liverpool ticket before you get your refund back that seems pretty poor customer service so we're trying to work something out with Ticketmaster. and is that Ticketmaster's fault or the club's fault Ticketmaster. Yeah. It would be the systems that they've got. <laughs> We're big fans of Ticketmaster. <laughs> oh, uh, me too. <laughs> love them. Love their booking love fees. Love everything. It's fantastic. Nice one. Their site is brilliant. It's, it's great at all. <laughs> I'm just glad StubHub aren't involved as well <laughs> in it this year. Cause that'll be it, wouldn't it? That would top it all off. I'd have started smoking yeah. again. <laughs> Well, that's an interesting one because a lot of those secondary agents are being, are being closed down. So, yeah. Uh, you mm. know, remember when we started campaigning against that and that was yeah. the wrong thing to do? There you go. There you go. You guys are making your mark. We're approaching 8 o'clock on Love Sport Radio. Can have your news very, very shortly. Uh, are you sticking around? We can stick around for stick a little around. bit. Sticking around for a bit. Stick around okay. for a bit. We're with Cat. We're with Martin we're from the uh, Spurs Supporters Trust. Ricky and Jason here as well. It's Love Sport Radio with last word on Spurs every single Tuesday, 7 till 9 p.m. Get involved with the program. 0208 70 25 at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Yeah, good evening. It's Love Sport Radio. We are uh, your station for Spurs, bringing you last word on Spurs every single Tuesday. And up plus, where's the podcast come out, Rick? Podcast will be out, hopefully, fingers crossed, first thing tomorrow morning. So there for you, you guys go. listening now, there you go. it's Wednesday morning. We always yeah, exactly. try to get them out quick. Happy Wednesday. Happy or Thursday or Friday, whenever you, you could be listening to this on the way to the game against Fulham. You could be in the new stadium Saturday. by the time you listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I thought that might get, I thought that might get a bit of a laugh. Amazing.
on 558am, online, on your smart speaker, and on digital radio. This is Love Sport. They dare to do, and the Lily Whites are going to score on you. They're no angels, but this season, Harry and the boys are going for gold. From White Hart Lane to Wembley, Spurs will always be North London's finest. It's the Tottenham Hotspurs Fans Show on Love Sport with seven of the best for your chance to win a million pounds. Good evening, it's Love Sport Radio. We couldn't subject you to that Spurs again. Spurs are on their way to Wembley. We couldn't do it again for a second hour. Jason, I see a couple of tears coming out of your eye. Pal, didn't, didn't really want to uh, do that. Unless it's cup finals, mate. I, d- I don't it. mind doing it for cup finals. There you go. There he is. We Straight. have won a trophy, we should say that. You have. We, we should be going to play oh. Fulham in the Charity Shield, having won uh, the, the International Cricket Conference trophy or whatever <laughs> what? the thing was called. The ICC trophy. Is that trophy. better than the Peace Cup? It's Do you a, remember it's a that? level above the piece. Oh, cup. okay, that's good. Anglo it adds ambition, that's good. Zenith Data Systems. Amazing. <laughs> Those were the days. I can't remember any other dodgy trophy names. Dodgy trophy names. Green Sports Super Cup. Oh, that's good. In the late eighties. No, no, no. Late eighties yeah. when when we all got kicked out of Europe after Heisel, you had a Screen Sports Super Cup. Six. It was Spurs, Liverpool, Man United, Southampton. Who won it? Everton. I think Liverpool might have won it. Yeah. Two groups of three. Yeah. It's yep. one of the most <laughs> semi-finals again, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Semi-final, semi-finals again. Penalties. Penalties. Yeah. A yeah. crowd of eight thousand at Tottenham for the semi-final against Everton in February in a snowstorm and think, oh, I can remember those, mate. Definitely. Did you Definitely. get a little slip in your season to get oh. that? <laughs> I think the program was just an A4 sheet of paper. <laughs> yeah, it folded over. Worth, wasn't worth printing. Just a bare list of team sheet. Rumor has it there wasn't even a cheese room. Definitely. Oh, don't go on about the cheese room again. I'm looking forward to I a lump of cheese. <laughs> bit, of, bit of craft Dairy Lee on your yeah. cream cracker at half That's time. That's it, the old That's fine. That's what you Dunkums want. Or whatever. Yeah. That's what he wants. Jace is in the building. Ricky's in the building. Also, uh, delighted to be joined by Kat and Martin from the Spurs Supporters Trust. Did you see the game on Saturday? Did you watch the game on Saturday? Uh, I kind of saw the game on Saturday from as much as you can see from row T of the away <laughs> section at St. James's Park. I was in row four. Oh, oh man, how did you manage that one? Sorry? You were below the aeroplanes. Yeah, I, I was actually at ground level. I could see Poch and, and Rafa. I was like, geez, that's Rafa, it's Rafa Benitez, isn't it? You know? That's amazing. Yeah, no, we, we were both there, weren't we? Um, I mean, Newcastle is a cracking... It's a weekend away. It's, it's not a just a match. Pla- it's a lovely it's, place. It's a cracking weekend. We mm. had a great Saturday night. That was amazing. Lots of spurs out on the tune, Y-O. which is always good YA. Uh, but <laughs> I actually been able to give you any analysis of the game, Pat. I haven't got a clue who any of their players were. I knew ours were from the positions, but obviously that's about it. I mean, he didn't even know he'd assisted the first goal, did you? No, no. Yeah. No. That's the glasses, though, isn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm just pointing at a picture on the screen. Exeter, it's Exeter, nil, Ipswich, nil in the, uh, the uh, Carabao Cup. But if you have a look, they've actually got no stand behind the goal, Exeter. So that's what Spurs can just stick a stand, yeah. you know, just to be, be quite good. Uh, you're quite delighted. Blackball nil, Barnsley on George Moncur. With, uh, <laughs> with the girl. I'll tell you a great story about Barnsley. I was there commentating about six months ago, and uh, there was a, a, a little old lady, must have been 80-something. Hang on, hang on. 
Is that my mum? I don't know, I've got, a, I've got a selfie with her. <laughs> <laughs> you but heard about it. <laughs> she, she, she was wearing this baseball cap. No, it's definitely not. She was wearing this baseball cap and this little scarf. And I just looked at her and I was just like, I really like your hat. And she was just like, thanks. She pointed at this uh, this little pin badge. And it was when they got promoted in 97 under Danny Wilson. She That's goes, right. Bansley, it's like watching Barcelona. It's That's Brazil. What it's, Brazil. It's like watching Brazil. That's what they said on the pin badge. And I was just literally like, I love you. Do you want to be my nan? Literally. <laughs> Honestly, that promotion nan? season was sensational. I was there when they hammered Charlton 4-0 and it was champagne football. I will tell you. You're not going to believe me, but it was. She she brought a, a tin of sweets with her, which were absolutely... You know, you know those dusty sweets you get in, like, yep. a, uh, uh, like an A-road petrol station? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a, that's a delicacy in Barnsley. It's the amazing. Barnsley chop. What's the Barnsley chop? Oh, my... Right. Let's talk about Spurs. Let's talk about Spurs. We could be here of for a long time about the Barnsley chops, can we? Google it. When you have it, okay. tweet me. Yeah. Okay. If not... We'll go to Barnes and have one because all right. trust me. Okay, trust we'll have me. a proper chat. Um, I thought it was something Ramon Vega was guilty of. <laughs> I know. He got sent off all those years ago, wasn't that? A funny, Barnes enough, job? funny enough, my, my <laughs> boss at the time, um, you know, had this challenge. He said, I want you to get the phrase Barnsley Chop into into the commentary. And I was like, okay, fine. So <laughs> there was a two foot tuck on it, and I've just gone, and he's absolutely Barnsley chopped it. All I can hear is like, you know, Dick Dastardly and Muttley laughing down the other like a <laughs> Like literally that it was brilliant absolutely brilliant but uh, yeah it is, it's, it's just a massive cut of meat basically oh <laughs> okay sounds good yeah sounds good. good no Oakwell's a great place we it is it. Barnsley are 1-0 up over Blackpool though at Blackpool Carlisle 1 Blackburn 2 we'll run you through the scores a little bit later I think 34 ties in the EFL Cup tonight's round 1 bit of tradition there barely any fans going to watch it it's not your screen Systems. Not the Screen Sport Super Cup. Not that cup, but it is the EFL Cup, also known as the Carabao Cup. Um, one for Spurs to win this year? We'll take anything at the moment, won't we, guys? We'll take, we'll take you get home yeah. advantage at Wembley. Be nice, yeah. yeah, we're still waiting, aren't we? But I mean, I've got to ask the guys, ahead of the Fulham game, what's your thinking behind a potential fan backlash attendances? We were discussing this during the break about when you're looking at the moment about getting a seat for Wembley Saturday, let's be honest about it, you can have a row at the moment. You can. I don't think that's a backlash, though. I think it's more kind of apathy, holiday season. People tolerated Wembley last year. I just don't think there's much appetite to go back there. But I don't think it's like a massive stay-away protest. I think it's too expensive as well. Yeah. Category B, I mean, my ticket was £45. Pounds. £45 <laughs> to sit, but at least I'll get a block to myself. That's what I mean. So that's yeah. all good. I can stretch out. It's roomy. It's exactly right. It's roomy. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into that. Obviously, it's never great if you've got a huge stadium and you can't sell it out. But I think there are legitimate reasons for that. Martin? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd say... He's looking at me. Yeah. He's looking no, at me. I'd, I'd say exactly the same thing. That, um, that uh, there's, you know, it's, it's early in the season. I think there is a little bit... I think people are a bit jaded with Wembley after being there. It was the least worst option. Uh, people wanted that more than any of the other uh, alternatives that might have been on offer. Um, but I think people have got a little bit jaded about it. It's not home. I don't think we're, it was particularly welcoming up there uh, last season. All the pubs put the prices up and it's a fairly soulless place. So probably hacked off most of North West London now. But um, it's, not, it's not a great place to watch for. 
football really either uh, and it's expensive inside so I think it's those combination of things that uh, that might lead to it and you know it's, it's rumours that there's there's not uh, a lot of tickets been sold but we'll see I think there's probably we, we had this I think last season where um, the, it was the, funnily enough back to Barnsley but no chops the Barnsley game in the in the cup uh, where they had the cheap ticket prices and the club I think were a bit miffed that only about 30,000 turned up and we said well you know that's for an early round of a competition against a lower league team we know the manager doesn't particularly prioritise that competition and nor do a lot of the fans uh, to be honest as well and actually 30,000 28,000 whatever it was is not a bad crowd I, I think purely a personal take that about 30,000 is, is our kind of hardcore home yep. support you're probably going to get them to turn up to most home games and that's it and then the rest depends on, on a number of factors but I don't think there's a massive backlash I think the, the, the game that there's the worry about now that it is at Wembley is Cardiff yep and that's with the yeah, greatest respect disagree. to Cardiff as well. But that, that isn't going to be one that people necessarily look for. You know, it's starting to get a little bit colder at that stage as well. Makes it sound like a right bunch of sudden softies, <laughs> doesn't it? But I think that maybe people will say, if I'm going to miss one, I might, I might miss out on Cardiff. Whereas they would want to go to the Liverpool game. And you'll also obviously have Especially that. Especially as we're going to beat 4-1 again. So. You'll also have that Carabao Cup round three. Well, I, I suppose if you yeah. get a home draw. Absolutely. And yeah. it's, I don't know, it's Rotherham or... Or Hartley Paul was was it can't be Hartley Paul now. Luis Lorente get a hat trick. Mm. <laughs> Only if it's again. snowing. Only if it's snowing. Yeah. There you go, cat. Yes. And the, the other interest will be because the the last last two years Tottenham have sold the Champions League as a three game group package, and um, I'm not sure. I haven't seen what the, the we keep hearing about the Premier League regulations, but what's do you know what the regulations are in terms of European football? If we're at Wembley for the group stage, do we have to stay there? Or can you switch even within the group yeah, stage? Yeah, so UEFA rules are... Well, my understanding of UEFA rules were that you needed to play out of one venue for group stage but could switch subsequently. So you could actually choose a venue for a qualifier, choose a different venue for a group stage, and choose a different venue for the knockouts. But I know that our director of football, he's a very capable lady called Rebecca Capelhorn, who I know from FA Council, she's very good, uh, is in discussions with UEFA at the moment. Now, we've learnt from Premier League rules that anything can be changed at any time. So I wouldn't like to say you would have to play all of your group stage out of one venue. I thought you were going to ask me about the packs. Well, that, That's what I that, thought you were going to ask Because you've got me. the three-game pack, and I wonder how Tottenham will, will do that, because they have done three-game packages. They probably won't do the three-game pack. So the, here's the piece of what is the three game back? So right, it's a bit of a ticket in history for you. Uh, up until last summer, our season tickets were for 21 games. They were for 19 home league games and two cup games, Lucky whichever you. your first two home <laughs> cup games were, which was crap when it was a league cup. But and they charged like you know 15 quid to get in anyway. It wasn't really worth that much. But when you got a Champions League game thrown in there as well, it was quite nice. So they took that away the season before last and reduced the pack down to just nine. Team Premier League games and part of the rationale behind that was it would enable them to be more flexible on their pricing for cup competitions so they could do things like put on sale a Champions League group stage pack. Now this is a clever idea because you're going to get one dead rubber in that group right so if you put those on sale for say 100 quid for the three games before the draw is made then we can gamble it's as like to a whether lucky dip. yeah it's like a lucky dip basically because you don't know when the games nice. are going to be because you don't know if you're going to be home 
away on match day one, match day two, match day three, whatever, and it could be across a Tuesday or a Wednesday. So you're really like taking a punt, but you're getting a good deal. Uh, or, you know, you, you can just wait and pay whatever categorised price they, they, they publicise when they put them you, on set. It could be worse. You could have the automated cut payment scheme. Oh, yeah. Manchester United employee. I know you love that. Thank you very much. I know you love that. You know what? They just boosted my credit rating because of direct debits. It's brilliant. It's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. They've just been doing it every... Money, 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 money. Uh, 8.13. Leeds have got 1-0 up uh, in their Carabao Cup tie. It's a brilliant goal by Patrick Bamford. Take a look at the finish if you can. Uh, it's not on your screen, don't worry. Don't That's okay. I'll you. finish about uh, It's me. Middlesbrough 1, <laughs> Notts County 1. Uh, Bristol City not Plymouth 1. We'll be keeping you up to date with all the scores this evening. 8.14 is Love Sport. 5.58 a.m. Love Sport. It's Love Sport Radio at quarter past eight. Do you want to finish off your... Uh, oh, yeah, your I'll be really mind. quick about this Champions League pack. So last season, obviously, we drew Real Madrid and we drew Borussia Dortmund and Apoel Nicosia. And obviously, Madrid and Dortmund were fantastic draws. The club had already sold thousands of these group stage packs for about 100 quid, I think it was, maybe even less than that. So this year, funnily enough, they're not that keen to put the pack on sale. Obviously, we're really pushing for it. It's hugely popular. In our recent survey we had almost 90 percent of fans who want a repeat of that offer personally i think if you're going to get a full stadium for the dead rubber at the end of the group you should do it but that's where we are on champions league group stage packs question guys what do you make obviously your new stadium's going to be coming along the arsenal and the west ham comparison is obviously going to come up as well about how, how they adapted to a new stadium that transition how do you see spurs been any different or again are we gonna potentially struggle how do you see it martin i, I think it's more the unique than, than than people uh give credit for and i think a lot of comparisons been made with you know people have said oh you know arsenal had lots of trouble they moved into a new stadium they couldn't compete in the transfer market and you know things have kind of gone a little bit stagnant there for a little while um if you actually talk to people that know about the finances at arsenal they'll say that it was convenient for both wenger and arsenal's board to say there's not a lot of money for transfers wenger wanted to develop players the board didn't particularly want to spend out so if arsenal would have wanted to spend that money they could have done that um, so this whole thing about the comparison, you know, people, they've almost established this science. If you build a stadium, you haven't got funds to spend in a transfer market. I think that this build has been different to anything that's gone on before. It's gone on for quite a long time. It's been hit by the financial crisis, you know, 2008, 2007, 2008. Then, you know, the Brexit effects has come in as well, uh, as well as all of the other issues that have, uh, that have kind of hit the, the international construction trade. So I think it's a, it is a unique project. I think the problem that the club have got at the moment is... Again, it's down to this communication and conflicting messages that they've said, and Daniel Levy himself has said for a number of years, the stadium build is not going to affect transfer dealings. We've got transfer funds ring-fenced. Now, personally, I've always thought, well, it doesn't really mean anything because what, what transfer funds have you got ring fence? Is it just the funds that are generated from selling players? And it also means that, you know, if you weren't building a stadium, maybe you'd be able to have a, a bigger fence, a bigger ring that you've got your fence around, you know, if you yeah. like. Um, and so, uh, but he's, he's maintained that line. He said that, that, uh, that there's no effect on that. The last transfer window, the manager, Maurizio Pochettino, has come out and said building a new stadium is affecting our ability to compete in the transfer market. So you've got the chairman saying one thing and the manager saying something else. 
Um, and again, you know, the club can't be surprised when supporters say, well, what, what's the truth then? What's the right story? Obviously, people are going to be concerned about, about the effect on that as well. But like I said, I think, again, you know, there's this assumption that, that we think that, you know, spending lots of money on players and buying players in is the build and end. I think one of the things that has, that has really you know, underlied the, if you like, the support that the team has had and the affection that this team's held in is the fact that there is a lot of, you know, if not as much academy progression as the club would like us to think, that we've brought younger players and we developed them and we've seen we've seen somebody coach players, which I might be showing my age a bit, but, you know, when I was a kid, that's what you expected a coach to do is, is to make players better than they were rather than just go out and do the kind of football manager thing of, you know, buying a, a first team and get the superstars and win something in your first season. But, but is that a mirror at Tottenham where, where you say uh, Arsenal had the money but Wenger preferred to develop and the board were, were quite happy not to spend? Do you get that feeling that Pochettino prefers to develop? And the, and again, Daniel, Daniel Levy's never going to say to Pochettino, sure, here's an extra £60 million we had hidden away. I, I, I think that's, that, that's right. I mean, I think if you kind of look at what, what's been in front of our eyes for the past two or three seasons, obviously Pochettino is, is a manager who wants the right people to fit in there. He likes to develop people as well. And so that, I think that there's an assumption, I think the board of our club thinks it too much as well, there's an assumption that fans always want you to spend money, and I think fans are a bit brighter than that, uh, it, it, you know, a lot of the time, so, um, but, you know, the, the, the narrative has developed, hasn't it, that a stadium build affects your ability to compete in a transfer market, uh, I think, you know, West Ham and their moving to the London Stadium, again, that was a very, very different situation, a very, very different board and a very different set of ideas uh, that are being put into play down there, um, so I'm, I'm not sure there is a comparison I think this this is unique this this project and we have to see how we get through it I mean I always looked from the outside I did a bit of reading and I thought that the NFL deal was so crucial to to the future of Spurs and that you know the fact that everyone talks about what happened to the mob down the road at Arsenal and you know after their, their, their long-term plan if you like under Wenger and effectively you know going from shopping at John Lewis to to, to cost cutting down at Aldi's um, let's be fair some of his signings were, were proper Aaron, Aaron can you please refer to them as from across the river not down the road sorry please. apologies Apologies, Woolwich, isn't it? Jeez. That's the right Woolwich. Apologies, <laughs> Jace. Uh, so you know, I, I think the NFL deal was the one that I looked at, and I thought, you know, that is the difference where where Levy has been smart, and and the board have been smart, and they've gone, look, we need to outsource funding somewhere else. We need to have something else that's going to be different and ensure that we don't fall into that little oblivion, that mini oblivion that they had. Um, and I just wonder how long that's going to take to sort of kick in, and what sort of an impact that's going to have if at all, reducing the impact on, on the fact that, you know, Pochettino can't buy players or, or you know, you know what, 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 in the grand scheme of things, what is that going to do? I, I think the NFL deal is an interesting one because it's, it's, there's a little bit of a potential kind of catch-22 there. The, the, the clubs say we wouldn't have been able to build this stadium without the NFL backing, but then the stadium wouldn't have cost as much unless we had to put all the NFL stuff in. We wouldn't have needed the retracting pitch, which is a major undertaking. We wouldn't have needed the big dressing rooms as well. So you can kind of go around in circles with that argument. I think the concern that, that Spurs fans have got is that we, we used to have one of the... Uh, you know, I'm going to wind people up here, but I think a lot of other friends said it as well. We had one of the best-loved grounds in the country. Fantastic atmosphere. It was our ground. It was our White Hart Lane. We're now moving into uh, a multi-purpose, um, what the club call uh, London's premier entertainment destination, which we're sharing with, with, with another sport, which we're possibly sharing with another team. And I think that goes back to some of the disquiet over the emphasis that was given to the NFL in the first statement that came out yesterday. But it's a very, very different 
thing for, for fans to take on. And football fans are, you know, a very specific group of people with very specific habits and ideas. And we identify, you know, our clubs are part of our identity, but our stadium is something that we really, really identify with as well. And we're now sharing that. Um, so I think there's, there's that side of it. And I think the club has to manage that very, very carefully because the heart of that, that business that the ground is built around is still... Uh, you know, the 42,000 season ticket holders, the 62,000 fans that will turn up to watch Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, um, you know, week in, week out. Uh, they've got to manage that very carefully. But the whole thing, you know, was it a clever financial deal? Quite probably it was. Um, but it also cost a lot more to, to build an NFL-compliant stadium. And again, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a shadow on the horizon, isn't there, as well? Which is where I was going to interject, because, yes, uh, obviously Levy secured the 10-year deal with the NFL to play at least two games a season there. So obviously the one that we're losing this October will be made up in a subsequent year, so they'll still get their 20 games away. But we're pretty sure that the master plan was to get a franchise over here and actually have an NFL team playing at our new stadium. Uh, obviously uh, Mr Khan over at Fulham and his advances on Wembley Stadium may well have put a cat right amongst those pigeons. So, we shall see. Well, I was about to say, you might be playing your landlords. So, so you need your, your <laughs> future you landlords Saturday afternoon. And, it's the uh, NFL derby on there. That's <laughs> it. Weekend, yeah. Well, that's it. it, it the, the Fulham White Badger franchise, that's what I usually, usually <laughs> refer to them as. But uh, I'll say what, London's premier entertainment venue, next you can tell me they're going to convert the den into an ice rink or something like that. <laughs> you know, a, a, a snooker all a massive snooker all I live in Lewisham they've probably already done it when we've been in here <laughs> exactly 823 is Love Sport Love Sport 558 AM The Fan Show on Love Sport with 7OTB.com Play your way to £1 million This is Love Sport The Fan Show on Love Sport with 7OTB.com Predict seven results. Win seven figures. Evenage have equalised at Carrow Road. Norwich 1, Stevenage 1. James Ball with the goal for Stevenage. Elsewhere it's Leeds 2, Bolton 0. Leeds in red hot form at the moment. Uh, Patrick Vanford and Samuel Size grabbing the goals for Mar- uh, Marcelo Biesler's men, isn't it? Marcelo, not Mauricio. Ricky, you had a question. Well, I want to throw it to Jace. I know Jace wants to ask a question to the guys here. Go for it, Jace. Yeah, I mean, in the, the Pochettino era, the fans have been pretty united off the pitch, particularly through those the first two years of chasing Leicester and that down. But we, we've reached a stage where you, you got a few murmurs last year and now a transfer window with nobody in, now the stadium news. Do you fear that we'll have the scenes that... that that lot from across the river have had and uh, the lot of the council tip have had where it, it gets quite <laughs> poisonous. <laughs> sort of fitting everyone a lot there. from down the council tip, yeah. It gets quite poisonous within the stadium, particularly, I mean, if Fulham go 1-0 up on, on Saturday, do you fear that atmosphere becoming quite toxic where, where so many are leavey outs rather than thinking, let's just get behind these 11 players on the pitch? Uh, I'm not sure if anything does happen, it will happen that soon. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think there's always been a significant proportion of, of people who are very critical of the club and, and you know, are, are anti-leave, you don't want to see them go. Our position has always been that if you're trying to get rid of somebody, you've got to know what comes next. Uh, and I actually also think, and we've said this in, in board meetings to their faces, to the club's board, that people do recognise that uh, you know we don't go along to what's the balance sheet, we go along to what's the football, but we recognise that you need to run the business side of it well. And I think 
think that there is a lot of support for the club out there. Um, people don't, uh, for the board, I think people don't always support everything they do, but I think generally they think they're taking us in the right direction. Um, what I, I think we're on the on the on the verge of a real change at the moment, and and some people want to see that. Some people say that Spurs have now got to step up, and if they want to, they've got pretensions to be a big club. And I kind of hate that phrase, but we know what we're talking about. Uh, then they they do need to, you know, this whole the cliche about moving on to the next level need to leave this kind of slightly romantic parochial image behind as well, and. I think that would be a pity because there, there was something special about Spurs. I know we're biased, but you know the whole kind of one Hotspur thing and the history that we've got and the connection between the, 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 the team and the play and the fans a lot of the time and the affection that we've got for a certain style of football. Uh, and we don't want to see that lost and, and Spurs to become just another international brand. Um, some people might think that we need to do that because that's what you need to do in modern football. I think that would make a lot of people try and turn away. In terms of kind of protesting the ground. Um, there is a tradition of protest among Spurs fans which goes back um, to about the late 1950s and early 1960s actually marches through London for bigger allocations in the FA Cup final and things like that as well but I think certainly in recent years partly because of what's happened at Arsenal and West Ham people say well we don't really do that at Spurs we've got a different way of making our opinions felt the last time there was a real protest was when the club tried to move us to East London wasn't there and I think there was Was that the Olympics Olympics and I think there's been there's been disquiet there's been anger but in terms of like a massive upsurge Mm -hmm. protest I don't really think there's any one opinion there so I don't particularly see there being a toxic atmosphere with the team um, necessarily I think if we have a bad season you know let's see what happens towards the end of it but I think also a lot of fans think you know what it's a game and if you know who's going to win at the start of it there's no point watching it there's a chance that we might not finish in the top four there's a chance that we might not get a trophy we've got to look at that and it wouldn't be a sport if it wasn't we hope that you know that we, we win everything this year as well um, but let, let's see how that goes so towards the end of the season if things aren't going very well you may see a little bit of, uh, uh, of opposition a little bit of kind of dissent that's voiced as well but I don't see that there's there's a particularly big opposition movement if you like there I think that what the concern is 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 the character of the club going to change because we're coming this big you know multinational brand now we all, we all watched the game on Sunday knowing that in advance that Manchester City were going to win it though and enjoyed it still didn't we <laughs> <laughs> I always Cracking tell myself point. that Cracking it's not that point. quite <laughs> <laughs> we all enjoyed it though yeah. very did. very good um yeah Martin, Kat, thank you very much. Give us a quick prediction for, for Saturday. Firstly, attendance. Uh, attendance, oh, uh, 38,947. I think we should write love that down. I love Kat's accuracy. She's fantastic. <laughs> should write that down somewhere. 38,947. Martin. There you go. I'll say uh, seventy-two thousand. Just so the club don't accuse <laughs> of being negative tomorrow. <laughs> and as the, uh, That's a fair balance. You see what uh, I mean? Fair what's actually going to happen on the beach, though? Oh, uh, Fulham have spent a lot of money, haven't they? Yeah. But they lost on their opening day. They were unlucky. Uh, but they've got, you know, they won their last game at Wembley. Uh, I'm going to go for another two-one to us. Martin. Yeah, I'd say it's going to be a win of two-one. But I think it's going to be a good game of football. Two good footballing teams. Can I just say with these guys here, it's an absolute pleasure to get them both together because we've been trying to do this for such a long time. Obviously, we'd rather it not be under these circumstances. We obviously wanted to sit here discussing about going into the new home. But I just want to say again on air and to all Spurs fans out there, I don't know if some people realise the amount of time that these guys take up of their spare time to work for the club. It's voluntary. They don't get paid for it. They've got Tottenham at their heart. They care about the club. And I just think, you know, we are so lucky to have two dedicated members that absolutely, you know, work their butts off 
for Spurs supporters and I'm obviously honoured they've taken the time to join us tonight. Really, really pleased to have these guys here. And, and just for fans, you know, they're as frustrated about about the situation as you are. So have a little bit of sympathy for them online. And, Be nice. And they're, not, they're not targets for abuse like Mickey Hazard isn't a target for abuse. Thanks. Was it a fiver each? <laughs> <laughs> Put me up a ticket for some. I'm going to do a quick plug, though. Um, obviously, the more members we have, the stronger our voices. So if you would like to join us, if you are a Spurs fan, then uh, our website is www.thstofficial.com and you'll find um, how to join up there. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at thstofficial. Thanks. Thank you very much, Kat. Thank you very much, Martin. Uh, it's Love Sport Radio. We'll have the Opposition View next. The Opposition View on Love Sport. Slot Sport Radio, 8.33 across the capital. Time for the opposition view. Let's welcome on the Harry Bow Kid. It's little Jack from Fulhamish. Jack Collins joins us. Evening, Jacko. Evening, mate. How are we? Not bad, pal. Not bad. Talk to us about the weekend. It didn't go to plan against Palace, did it? No, it didn't. But, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom by any account. We gave a really good account of ourselves. We, um, we looked a little bit naive, I think, at points in terms of how we looked in it. Premier League kind of calibre. We didn't take our chances and we were punished by two sloppy mistakes. But, you know, there's a lot to be you know, happy about and a lot of the, the lads are, are very positive about going forward. So, you know, we're going to have a, a tricky game, you know, this weekend and, you know, it's really feasible that we might come out of this weekend with zero points after two games. But, you know, two tricky London derbies to begin with and, you know, I think there's plenty to be cheerful about the cottage. Yeah, certainly. Talk to us about the performances of some of the big names. You know, uh, I think everyone was looking at Jean-Michel Seri, and, and I certainly had a couple of pals of mine uh, yesterday just going, mate, he, he's a real baller, isn't he? Yeah, he's different gravy. He very much haven't seen a debut like that in centre midfield since the days of Moussa Dembele the first, who incidentally will be on the other side at the weekend but it was it was a really good debut very very comfortable he looked a bit shattered after 70 minutes which is something to be you know slightly wary of he started to misplace passes at the, for the first time after that kind of mark but until then he looked so sharp and and he just you know doesn't look like he's stressed ever in possession he's happy to find a space happy to pick a pass doesn't need to look to know his teammates are and just there's one of those players where you think, okay, if he stays here for a while, he could be, you know, revered on the kind of Dembele level. What will it be like going back to Wembley and, and, you know, sort of reliving that place that it all happened uh, at in May? Of course, there are some names that aren't in the squad. You know, Marcus Bettinelli has been completely frozen out. Ryan Fredericks is at West Ham United now. Matt Target hasn't come back in either. It's a, it's a newer Fulham squad, but... Um, I mean, how do you think they'll approach it? I mean, it's a completely different game, isn't it? It's not a one-off fixture where it's win or die. It's very much a, you know, a game in the course of a season. And I think, you know, ideally, if you're supposed to either side at this point, neither of us would want to be at Wembley for this game. But, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I think that a lot of people, there was a lot of talk at the beginning, be like, oh, I don't want to go back to Wembley. It will taint the memories. I don't feel like that's, you know, an issue. I feel like, you know, it's an opportunity to go back to a place where we have wonderful memories and try and create some more. And it's a bit of a free hit, this one, in the way that, you know, Palace maybe wasn't. And it's quite nice for a team who are still learning to gel and whatever to, to go to a game where we're not expected to get any points. We're complete underdogs. And, you know, no one is, no one's going there thinking, oh, we don't win this one, we could be in trouble. And so I, I think it's quite a nice one to have. We're up there and we're trying to give them a game and, and see what happens. 
Are you going to Wembley with with a lot more positivity than perhaps us? As you say, you're, you're going back to to where just a couple of months ago you had that fantastic day out. It's back in the Premier League now, whereas particularly in the in the week now that Tottenham have had no signings in the the stadium announcement yesterday, there'll be a lot of Tottenham fans that already weren't looking forward to going back to Wembley, but there'll now be a lot more there, and and it looks like you could have a, an attendance of you know thirty five thousand. Do you think that's something that you're that Fulham can actually take advantage of that they're looking forward to going there, whereas thirty thousand Spurs fans just just dreading the the thing of going back there again. Yeah, I, I suppose so. It, it very much depends on the atmosphere, I suppose, and quite a lot of that will revolve around what happens in the early part of the game. So, I, I can promise you know, if there's I can promise if there's thirty thousand there, there'll be no atmosphere whatsoever, <laughs> and, and and it doesn't matter even how much noise Fulham make, it just won't happen there. No, no, of course. I, I know what you mean. But, it, you know, I, I suppose it not. I, I mean, it, I meant more in the way that, you know, you look at Fulham. If Fulham go there and get an early goal and Spurs are already fed up and people are already kicking off and, and you know, that kind of thing, that's obviously going to be a boost to everyone. You know, I think that if you go two, three up in the first half, it'll probably sell the nerves a tad and, you know, you'll play it out as, as you'd expect. So, I mean, it's, it's, yes, something that we can look to exploit, but I wouldn't hang too much of my hat on it in terms of how the game's going to go if we can you know if we can look to frustrate and we can maybe nick one and, and start to you know try and play our game and try and you know impose our style of football on the ball which is obviously going to be extremely difficult you know against a side of your quality and caliber you know it, that's something that we can try and exploit but I, I don't know about the kind of mood going into it depending on you know how things look and it's, it's dressing room thing really and I don't imagine the Spurs dressing room is going to be too you know, disjointed in that regard. And how pleased are you to see Sessignon not wearing a white shirt on Saturday? <laughs> Absolutely delighted. Yeah, it's uh, one of those. But I, I think for for everyone's sake, if you know, if you're you know Fulham, it doesn't matter if you support Fulham or if you support England or whatever. If you want to see a quality player, you know, develop to his true colours and and get those minutes which he needs in the Premier League to fully establish himself. Um, I think that most you know, people will say that Fulham's probably the best place for him to be doing that this year, just in terms of the amount of minutes he's going to get and the kind of free opportunity where he doesn't have a price tag on his head, there's no pressure really on him in terms of the Fulham fan base aren't going to turn on Ryan Session and I can give you that for free. Um, but it's one of those things, isn't it? So I think that um, in the long haul, it's a, it's a good thing for, for Ryan Session. And if he does eventually end up with you, this will be a season which you'll look back at and go, yeah, he probably needed that. Because unpopular opinion a little bit here, but I'm not sure that Seth is going to be a massive superstar this year. No, I'm I'm not sure. I'm I, I think he, he came out and was talking about learning, you know, giving it the standard media spiel after the game on Saturday against Palace and, and you just wonder if he's gonna be given that time and space and he said himself how much of a, a wake up call it was playing in that game against Palace and the fact that very simply you're not given the same opportunities on the ball to do what you're doing and I, I think this is where we're gonna see the make or break of Ryan Sessignon really, Jack. Yeah, I think so. I don't think that this season will, you know, cut him off. I think he might be in for a slight rude awakening. And I think that I kind of maybe the media as a whole and, and the kind of wider fan base that doesn't watch Seth week in, week out is probably in for a bit of an awakening because, you know, we've said it time and time again, but it's not new to us, but it is to everyone else. But he's actually not that good on the ball. He's not, you know, he doesn't pick the ball up, drive at players, beat a man. That's just not his style. What he does really well is find space. You know, you know, nip into places and get on the end of things, and sort of, you know, exploit the kind of, 
gaps that people leave at the back, and I don't think he's going to get as many of them. You know, he, you saw it at the weekend that he was doubled up on for most of the weekend, and uh, by you know Townsend and Wan Bissaka, so he didn't get that kind of opportunity to show what he was good at. And the one thing that he maybe could have done, which is very safe, which was to get on the end of a Mitrovic, you know, knockdown. Uh, he wasn't quite sharp enough off the block, and I think that he'll need to obviously improve on that. I think he'll be fine this year. I think he'll get you know six or seven goals and he'll chuck in and you know maybe a couple of assists but I don't think he's going to set the Premier League on fire the way that I think some people are expecting him to. Do you think Jukanovic will be brave and, and try and have a real go at Tottenham or do you think he'll 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 do a, a sit back I mean I, I saw I, I must admit I didn't see Fulham but I was a little bit surprised how how passive Wolves were against Everton particularly once Everton were down to 10 men on, on Saturday so do you, do you think that will be the way he'll go or, or will he have a real go and think right let's go to Tottenham and, and take them on I think he will have a go because I don't think he really has, you know, any plan B. And I don't think it's necessarily through kind of personal choice. It's more the fact that he just, he actually can't do that. His side of play completely, you know, revolves around keeping the ball, having a go and, you know, really starting to attack opposition and try and dominate possession. I think we will try and do that for better or for worse. And, you know, it might be the undoing of us, but I think we will go and, and, and try and keep the ball and, and try and, you know, dominate possession, which is, you know, a bizarre thing to say. But I could also see the same, I'd say the same going into a City game. I think, you know, I don't think we'd be successful at it, but I think that's the way that Jukanovic will try and play it. I can't see him trying to put, you know, 10 men behind the ball and defend. I think he will try and have a go. I think what you might be, you know, a little bit surprised by it is the fact that when Fulham are in possession, well, that dynamic with it a lot of the time, especially, you know, in the second half against Palace, we saw, you know, in the first half, we, we sort of tried to get the runners through on goal, tried to release the likes of Scherler, Sassignon, you know, tried to get Mitrovic on the ball. But in the second half, we're quite happy to stroke the ball around midfield. And in a game where you're 1-0 down, it's not necessarily what you expect from a team at home, but Fulham will do that. They'll keep the ball in a kind of not necessarily dangerous area and just wait to try and find the path. And I think that if, if Spurs can find their shape in that kind of moment and not work it out, then we could we could be in for a long, long old afternoon. I'd be interested to know, from your perspective, where you see the weak areas in this Tottenham team at the weekend. Where do you feel you can pinpoint Spurs to get the best of them? Um, I suppose... It depends on kind of who plays in centre midfield. I, there isn't many weak spots, which is the key element to, I suppose, you not signing players, right? In terms of, Pochettino said he didn't want to sign for the sake of it, and there's a lot of strength in depth there. You know, where I'd potentially look to, you know, try and find a gap between the, you know, the midfield and the defence. If you know, if you're if that kind of CDM role, which was maybe crying out for a tad of a, not necessarily an upgrade, but a renovation maybe, and, and some younger legs. If we can get into that zone, get Kearney and Seri on the ball in that kind of area then that's where we can cause problems. But, you know, there's not many weak links here. They're, you know, very much, you know, you're very much a side where we're not going to be able to, you know, pick holes. We're going to have to hope that lucky breaks go our way, try and make sure that, you know, we give ourselves the best possible chance by trying to get possession in the right areas. But apart from that, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a tough battle for us. Jack, give us a prediction for uh, Saturday's game at Wembley. I'm going to, you know, be hopeful, play on the fact that you're, that you're not pleased, happy to go back there and say that we might nick an early one and then try and hold out for a bit. I'm going to go one all. 
one all. Jack Collins, Fulhamish Podcast, thank you very much for joining us. At 8.44, we'll have the, uh, your latest scores next on Love Sport and Celtic uh, fighting to stay in the Champions League tonight. They are currently 3-2 down away to AEK Athens and uh, we'll be keeping tabs alongside, uh, alongside that one uh, uh, as uh, the night progresses. It's Love Sport. 7bestbets.com If you are looking for good odds with a simple to use app, visit 7bestbets.com As a new customer, you will receive great welcome offers. We cover all sports, as well as an online casino and full range of virtual sports. If that's not enough, regular customers benefit from loyalty bonuses too. 7bestbets.com Please gamble responsibly. Visit GamblerWare for more details. Love sports. Love sports. With 7OTB.com. Predict seven results. Win seven figures. Sport Radio, 8.47 across the capital. Uh, we're talking Spurs for another 10 minutes or so, excuse me. Um, and you want to talk about Kieran Trippier, Ricky? Yeah, I mean, like I say, if you guys listen to the show weekly, last one on Spurs, Love Sport Radio, we are trying to do a weekly feature on players that we feel are making a difference at Tottenham. We might go through the whole squad, there's been that many. So... The key feature this week, or key player, should I say, has been Kieran Trippier and the progression of this guy. And we saw the progression, obviously, at most in the World Cup. And Jace, I mean, it's incredible when you look at Pochettino's development of fullbacks. This guy is now right up there in terms of who he's developed the most. Yeah, I mean, he, he obviously came from from Burnley with a reputation for his, his ball-crossing ability and, and chances created. But it took him some time, didn't it? I think he... I think it was his very first start, that, that famous game at Watford, where Sonny nicked it late on. I think that might have been his first Premier League start. Uh, and then his first goal, I think, was also against Watford for us, wasn't it? But as time has gone on, I think even going into last year, we probably bought Oria with the view that Oria would be the, the main right back and that Trippier was still the, the backup player. But as, as the year went on, Perhaps it was more because of Oria's inability to hold a place down, but now Trippier seems to be going into this this new season pretty much guaranteed to be the the right back of of Pochettino's choice in the big games. Yeah, I mean, I think tri- the the best thing I've seen about Trippier is the fact that he's come on such leaps and bounds since since Walker left, and and I just I don't know. When, when, I mean, they signed Oria. Was it before Walker left or just after? Just after. He was going to be just the after. replacement. He was going to be the replacement. That's right. But it seems like Trippier has just gone, nah, mate, forget it. Forget you. I'm in. This is my spot. I'm sticking it. And to be honest, I'd rather have Trippier at right back than, than Kyle Walker right now. Really? Yeah. I just There's something about Kyle Walker that I just think he's, he's a little bit more limited than Trippier. Trippier seems like an all-round decent uh, de- decent player and he's got a good set piece delivery on him as well so the thing about Walker which we saw as Spurs fans and maybe Jason agree you may disagree but for me what used to always get Walker out of trouble was that pace wasn't it I mean we saw so many times during his Spurs career that he was you know clumsy on the ball yeah. didn't always have the greatest of first touch but the thing he did have which would always get him out of trouble was that elite pace and yeah. pace does make a fullback Trippier hasn't got that pace but what he has got is a great cross on him and you can't underestimate that. And also, he takes free kicks as well now, Jace. 
<laughs> yeah, that was that was a big surprise from the World Cup was the was the was the uh, set pieces in him, and certainly I don't think anyone would have picked him to have taken that that free kick, and uh, it, was, it was probably the moment for me at a World Cup because as as proud as it was watching those Spurs players for a lot of it, I, I don't think any of us saw Kieran Trippier putting one in the top corner, but uh, you know Eric Dyer famously did it in the Euro- European yes, Championships. Yeah. I think in yeah. the next two years he's taken one free kick for us, so I'm still not sure we'll see trips take over from Ericsson but he's one of those players though you know you reeled off a list of names that Poch has improved I feel that he's come on leaps and bounds since since he joined Spurs and I think he's another one you can add to that list where you just look at him and go yeah the difference from when he turned up and the difference to him now see I'm I'm not um don't get me wrong I'm Trippier is my right back of choice at the moment, but as I say, maybe part of that is because of Oria not grabbing that shirt and making it his own. I don't think Trips has has improved no. much in his. I, I think he's still still suspect when people run at him. Uh, I mean, we saw Sane take him to the cleaners last year. I think th- there's not much he can do about his his pace. In fairness, I mean, you're not going to suddenly run two seconds, <laughs> hundred meters in two seconds quicker. So I think it's still a worry for me defending one v one on trips. And I also think when he when he gets the ball. When he has space, he whacks that cross in first time, but he's perhaps not... I still don't see him really creating that space for himself. So, for me, the, there's there's more confidence to him and there's a little bit more consistency and, and perhaps there's more belief in Spurs fans about him. But I don't think his progression has been as much as one or two others have suggested. But don't get me wrong, I'm not criticising him too much and he's, he's definitely my right-back of choice. I think at the moment, yeah, uh, it's a spot-on point. I still think the Danny Rose of 15-16... Is just ahead of him. Jason's shaking his head. I'm assuming Jason agree on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm Danny Rose's biggest critic yeah, at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Danny Rose of 2016 is better than yeah. the Kunder and Trippier of 2018. The question is where you would now look to go to improve in that right back spot because Aurea is keeping with him now for a second season, whether we like it or not. It yeah. appears there's been interest recently from Borussia Dortmund. I don't think Spurs are going to let him go. Um, as much as some would say it's going to save them a cardiac arrest watching Aurea, bless him. But where would you say, Jace, we would go then to upgrade on Trippier? Who could we turn to <laughs> well, It's in difficult, isn't it? Because when I compare him to... I mean, who have, who have United got a right back at the moment? Antonio Valencia. Valencia. <laughs> OK, and, and you'd certainly look at Trips and think, well, I, I wouldn't swap him for Bellerin. And Mateo, I wouldn't swap Mateo him for, Darmian. I wouldn't swap him for Darmian, and I wouldn't swap him for Victor Moses and people like so that. So there you go. But it's the amount of money then you've got to look at. It is. To take you. You know, it's... Um, is he Danny Carver yells and people like that? I know, but I, I just get that feeling inside me that I'd be happy. It's going to sound awful what I say, but I still think Trips is in an ideal world in a in a title winning side. He's your your backup right back rather than your main right back. Yeah, I agree. I, d- I do agree on that. I mean, even though we've seen Aurea and his lack of consistency. Trippier for me, and it's so important in a fullback. I still think pace is so, so important. And we don't have it really in both our first choice fullbacks. We don't have it in Davis now. Rose isn't going to look like he's going to get a, le- a look in going forward. So it will be interesting to see how that works throughout the season. But we can't forget that the fullbacks, Davis and Trippier, both started against Arsenal, and we won. Both started against Real Madrid, and we won. So Potch is showing that anything is possible with fullbacks. Yeah, like I say, I mean, we go to Man United in two weeks' time and, and I want to see Ben Davis and I want to see Kieran Trippier in that game start. But I know in my mind, 
I'd have preferred to go there two years ago with, with Danny Rose and Carl Walker. Yeah. Best Very choice nice. fullbacks they were at the time. Rose and Walker bombing down the flank. I mean, God, it was electric. Is there any way we're going to see Fernando Llorente start against Fulham? Because Harry Kane looked dead. Or Not something. a chance. No, no, no. Listen, Harry, this guy's got goals in him. Look at him in the World Cup. Mm. How could you even consider or even think about dropping this guy not a chance not dropping him resting him no 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 harry doesn't harry will want games you try and tell harry he's on the bench on saturday he won't be having it not at all not a chance how do you see the lineup going same keep it simple keep it same hopefully a change or two in in midfield obviously in an ideal world maybe to coming out i think i think dembele will start I, i said on sunday i think where we had World Cup players and the option to rest them still on, on Saturday, we did. But I think I think one or two more will come back in because it will be Man United the following week and I think he won't want to have left it six weeks between some of those playing at the World Cup and playing at Man United. So I think Moussa Dembele will certainly start, that's for sure. Against his uh, his old team, Chaps, give some uh, predictions. It's Spurs versus Fulham, the first home I'm oh, air quoting home uh, game of the season, three o'clock on the Saturday. It's gonna be a good one at Wembley. If uh, I mean you're you're going? Yep, I'm going. J- and then J- Jace is gutted. He's already bought his ticket. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I always look forward to going, and I'm hoping to dash from Wembley, but still stay for the final whistle. We'll not do this this silly run for the train at, at you know twenty five past three or something that see people do. But uh, hopefully, I see the Fulham game, and then I see the Spurs ladies in the Dedication. Saturday evening, ten minutes down the road from where I live. So Dedication. that's that's the aim. And yourself? Um, for me, I'm going to go with a three-one Spurs win. I think for all the off-pitch dramas, I think on the pitch, Spurs six out of six, and looking good on the pitch. <laughs> Where was that from? No, no honestly, I like that. No, I like looking that. good on the pitch. You changed it up a bit there, gents. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I know there was uh, a lot of confusion on social media this week about the Ledley King interview, obviously uh, due to things out of our control. Due to uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Due, due to Spurs being Spursy <laughs> and, and delaying their stadium opening, we've had to somewhat delay that. So, don't worry, we will have a new date for the Ledley King interview. It has been done. Mm. It will be with you soon. Gents, thank you very much. Jace, Ricky from Last One of Spurs. It's Last Sport. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.